0: <speaking in Hebrew> Assalamu alayka, al as The second quesera that we recite, Ya Hanan Muhammad, is really like an anthem for the believers, It fits very well within. That these other poems that we are reciting, Sadawatun Tayyibatun, and also the standing part of the Mawlid. And that singing the praises of our Prophet and rather just even mentioning his name. What a blessing from Allah ta'ala to be honored to mention the name of his beloved. And the more and more that we mention, mention the name Muhammad and all of the other names of our Prophet Ahmed Ahmad and Hamid and Mahmood and Yaseen and Taha. In name after name, and he has hundreds of names. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The ulama differ exactly how many names that he does have, but he has many names. All of them they indicate just something about him that is great. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And what we know about the prop, don't know about the prophet. وسلم, is even greater. That our prophet. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam, is that no matter how much we that try to enumerate his true reality rather to even enumerate his characteristics we will always fall short in that because for every one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he has a perfection he has an attribute of perfection of his ubudiyah of his servitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in relation to that divine name of our Lord wa ta'ala and this is something that we as people who believe in la ilaha illallah Muhammadur rasulullah should find great comfort in i.e. that we are abid. We are servants of Allah Jalla Jalalu. This whole entire deen of ours is based upon submission. And nothing is more beautiful than submitting to Allah wa Ta'ala. Nothing is healthier and nothing will bring about true health. More than just unadulterated complete and total submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Rather, the degrees of belief, one of the main components of those degrees is our degree of submission. And this will translate not only to what we receive in this world, but in the barzakh, in the intermediary world, and in the akhirah, in the hereafter, is our, to the degree which we submit we will be to the degree which that we move up in ranks of closest to our Lord, subhanahu wa ta'ala, So Alhamdulillah, we thank Allah for His favor and for His bounty and for His generosity. Despite all of our shortcomings and all of our mishaps and everything that we do moving in the opposite direction, Allah keeps bringing us back. We make mistakes and He forgives. And He didn't cut off from us His ihsan, His showing of excellence, even when we fell short. Rather, even when we sinned. He still provided for us and He still gave to us and He still opened up the doors for us subhanahu wa ta'ala to return. Think about that verse. Fasadu Fil Bahr. Bima nas." Corruption has appeared on earth and in the sea from that from which man's hand has wrought. Bima that which the hands of men have earned. Meaning is that The reason there's fasad is because of human beings and they're diverging from the path of the prophets. But what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Why was this, what, what, when we see this fasad happening, what is it there to tell us? In order that he may give us to taste some of what we've done, in hopes that they return. So that we just can taste a little bit here in this dunya, when you make a mistake or you turn away from the path or you commit a sin or you do something wrong, Allah will taste us. Give us a taste of what happens when you do certain things that you reap what you sow. When when you experience that in the dunya, it's actually a mercy from Allah. لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِعُونَ There's a divine wisdom behind it for those that indeed see the signs. Is that we return to Allah. Oh, I've made a mistake. I need to return to Allah. When we were discussing Tawbah, repentance, last weekend, that it was amazing. Some of the ulama used to say things like, I know my state, i.e. whether I have sinned or not, by the way that my riding beast responds to me. And you can replace that with our cars. Is that they used to be in tune in a very different way. If they would all of a sudden start to have car problems, they would interpret that differently. They would start inspecting themselves. What happened? Did I do something? Is this a result of a mistake that I've made? That Did I fall short in something that I shouldn't have fallen short in? And he, It's actually explicitly mentioned that my dab in this particular that statement of the scholars, but it relates to all of our lives. If you find that your sustenance is difficult for you, that all of you can't keep a job that you find that doors keep closing. We have to be introspective. And we don't ever really know is it just a means to raise us in ranks or is it an atonement for something we've done or even it's a punishment. But whatever it is, it's good. Even if it's a punishment for something that we've done, it's good. Because it will wipe away the sin. It will allow us to return that sin-free to Allah Jalla جل Jalaluhu, this is one of the meanings of the Ummah being Marhuma. And this is why, and this is hard. This is why, but it's hard. That everything that is happening to the Ummah of our Prophet Wasallam, absolutely we stand for justice, we do whatever we can to rectify the situation, we don't want anyone to suffer. But from the standpoint of reality, it is a hidden mercy from Allah. And our teachers hammered that meaning into our heart. Over and over again over and over again and that prevents us from panicking that prevents us from doing something that we shouldn't be doing that is not in the Sharia to do when you are in a difficult situation certain things you simply can't do just because you're in that situation does not mean that you can do certain things we are not allowed to ever panic or ever allowed to despair we have to maintain that our principles, even in the most difficult of circumstances. This is what our deen teaches us. And it's the standpoint of haqiqah, seeing things from the standpoint of reality, is that what gives us this internal breathing room where we don't go crazy when you hear about all the problems that are happening in the world. Knowing is that when it's all said and done and everything manifests before us in the next world, is that not no human being will feel that they've been dealt with unjustly allah will exact the rights of everyone allah will that take care of everyone based upon what it is that they deserve and he gives his bounty to whom he pleases subhanahu wa ta'ala so we always have to remember that and in this regard is that this is why we should always be concerned about doing things that atone for the mistakes that we make and this beautiful hadith, which oftentimes we quote, but we don't focus on as-sarawat al-khams wal tu and then one narr- narration: Ramadan ila Ramadan, the five daily prayers, Jum'a to Ramadan to Ramadan, mukaffiratun lima bi'na or an atonement for that which takes place between them. And that one time, a man came to the Prophet and complained about a specific sin. And it would seem to be that it was a pretty serious sin. And he was laying with the opposite gender, but he didn't fall into fahisha, any type of indecency. And then the prophet asked him, did you pray the prayer with us after that happened? And the man said yes. And the prophet indicated that that was an atonement for what he had done. And so this is why it's so important to that keep putting energy in until the day that we die. Yes, we can take a vacation from work, but there is no vacation from true work. True work is trying to uphold taqwa, trying to live and die upon taqwa, trying to achieve higher degrees of taqwa. That is the real work, the real spiritual and religious work. You can't take a break from taqwa. You can't take a vacation from taqwa. It's like, I'm going to take a couple days off and do a few things and come back on Monday, I'm going to be a person of taqwa again. No, that is a human. Uh, that's. We, yani people have been doing that throughout the centuries. But especially in the modern world where we tend to compartmentalize religion, where we're a certain way when we go to the masjid or the musalla or the gathering, then we live a whole other life that during the week, is that sometimes we don't have the necessary knowledge and state to go along with that to really... That live our deen as it's supposed to be lived. But we need to get beyond that. And we need one of our greatest challenges as a community here in the United States of America. And really wherever we are in the modern world. Is to learn what it is that we need to learn. So that every aspect of our life could be lived in terms of the deen. Is that knowledge is key in this regard. And we can't take a break from taqwa. Taqwa has to... That inform everything that it is that we do Our career, our relationships, going to school Everything has to be informed by taqwa And so inshallah we're going to look at um, The next trait of futuwa So Imam al-Sulami he says and each one of these is so rich, rich. This tradition of Fatua is so rich. It's really an amazing thing. If we start to touch upon its realities, we will be changed people. We will be transformed. That we will, this is the secret to live up to what it is that we really need to be doing in these societies, which is being. It's very simple. Yes, there is that complicated aspect that is mentioned of the knowledge component that takes time and that requires a lot of effort But from the standpoint of being which is the foundation That the companions were able to that affect people with their state before words and that one of our teachers and this is really kind of sums up how I Feel that our teachers are In relation to their approach To life in general But also trying to help people Is that Yes they meet where people are at They meet people where they're at But their goal is not simply To meet people where they're at Their goal is to meet people Where they're at To take them where They need to be Or you could say Where they could potentially be They meet them where they're at But they don't just leave them there they deal with them in a way, and then that if that person puts in effort, and to the degree that that person puts in effort, they take them where they could potentially be. And that sometimes we tend to overly cater to where people are at, and we fail in small ways in terms of taking them where we they need to be. And that there was a particular situation where that one of our teachers that was aware of a particular legal opinion that someone gave a particular person. And that didn't sit well with our teacher. And on that particular trip, that his spouse was traveling with him and had spent time with that person who had received that legal opinion, where that she was told, because it was on the verge of being a necessity, that she could do something in particular. And that after the end of the trip, after a few days, with the spouse of our teacher, is that she was transformed. And so she herself ended up doing what at first appeared to be that something she should abandon because it was a necessity. And then our teacher said, habitat الدرورة No longer was it a necessity. And other words is that this is really how the true people of Allah are Is that they want people to change And that we have to have the courage And sometimes it's hard Especially in societies like this That seem so domineering and overpowering We feel like just We're in quicksand And just trying to stay You know not drown and stay afloat is that We feel that we have our backs up against the wall And that it's difficult for many people But despite that We still have to have the the courage to engage our people in a way that allows the best of them to come out. Which allows their potential to come out. Because everybody is in need of what Muslims have. Everybody is in need of La ilaha illa muhammad rasulullah. Everybody is in need of all of the details of La ilaha illa muhammad rasulullah. But if we don't carry ourselves appropriately, how are we going to share that? If we're not living up to that, how are we going to share that? If we don't believe that, and we just try to remain hidden, how are we going to be able to share that? With other people. How are we going to be able to inspire other people? How are we going to be able to change other people? It's quite precisely when someone is in a very difficult situation. And they have their back up against the wall. If they then retain their principles. That is what really affects people. I mean think about Muhammad Ali. Imagine being as famous as he was. Imagine. He gave up his heavyweight title because he was a conscientious objector of not wanting to fight in a war that he had nothing to do with and did not want to take part in. Who could do that? Who, if they were offered to be on the that famous street where all the Hollywood star names are, would say something like, no, you cannot put the name Muhammad in a place where people would walk on. Who would do that? And not care about the result. And then that have the only pe- person that they cater to be him and put it on the wall instead of on the... Who would do that? If that was really, like really seriously, who would be able to do that? Like this is what most people have done yet dream of. My point is, is that this is why people love him so much. Because he, ma- he stuck to his principles. This is why he's affected so many millions of people and not just Muslims. So it's in times of adversity where we can really show this but if we go back to this, this etiquette and we will we'll be brief is that he's teaching us here about where it all begins that all progress begins with spiritual progress we were discussing this in the Arabic class when looking at one of these modern Arabic words which I like to always remind them no don't think of the modern Arabic meaning think of the traditional meaning but the word madiyah is the word that is used for materialism in Arabic. And the word taqaddum is the word that is used for this plastic word of progress. And how there is no concept of progress for us, or that true progress for us is spiritual progress. And there's no concept of us for material progress that is detached of spiritual progress. In other words, to the extent... That material progress is detached from spiritual progress will be to the extent that that material progress creates a disaster in the world. And this is precisely what we see before eyes. Is it a complete detachment of material progress from spiritual progress? There's no meaning to material progress in reality. It will be a fitna that without spiritual progress. And there's, that's a very deep conversation. But we're taught to begin from within So the meaning here hasir. Your sir could roughly be referred to As your inner state And islah Is making something right And you could say rectifying Rectifying your inner state Focusing on your Internal reality Your sincerity And all of these other qualities That you need to have before Wearing the clothes of the righteous. Now that that could mean literally, and it could also that mean this metaphorically. In other words, is that we focus more upon the we focus on the inward more than now. It doesn't mean that you just neglect outward worship and say I'm working on my heart, brother. No, there's certain things you have to do outwardly. No. But in general, is that we focus on the inward, and that leads to that more outward devotion. And people that are fanatical about the outward aspects of devotion. Things like the clothes that we wear that neglect their hearts. It's a problem. And naturally that when your heart is right, it will lead to its results. And so generally speaking, they speak of tahalli before tahalli. You rid yourself of bad qualities before you adorn yourself with good qualities. But one time one of our teachers was on a plane and he was speaking very gently to one of the flight attendants who that wasn't doing something appropriately. And the shaykh next to him said, أَتَّخَلِّ What I translated as, just as I just mentioned. And our teacher responded to him and said that at When you adorn yourself with virtue, it helps you overcome vice. So it depends on the particular situation. But when your heart is right, everything emanates. In flows from that. And that this is why in this from this standpoint that especially on this day of Eid we're always reminded when that the two Eids come, that our teachers will repeat every single year for both Eids. Eid Liman Labis al Right? That Eid is not truly for the one who wears new clothes. "Lakin al Eid, al Eid Liman Tazid, but Eid is for the one Eid really is when your acts of obedience increase. <inaudible> that Eid is not for the one that just adorns himself with nice clothes and a riding beast or drives a nice car. <inaudible> Eid is really for the one whose sins are forgiven. And so that, again, there's nothing wrong with wearing nice clothes And there's nothing wrong with following that sunnah of our Prophet But this is a part of futuwa Is that we let things emanate naturally And it is a good thing to want to wear the clothes of the righteous And want to emulate the righteous And that I remember that there was a friend who, That when he was delivering the sermon he used to wear a robe And some of the elders in his community came up to him and said Why are you wearing that? Right, This is the United States of America. right? This is how people dress. And then I was brought into this conversation and that I knew that if I spoke it of it in the context of the dean, they would never accept it. So I told them, I said, look, I'm a convert. Right? I used to go to church before I became Muslim. And we have in our culture an idea of Sunday's best. And in the church that I used to go to, is that the people in the choir wore robes. The pastor wore a robe. Outside of church, he wore different things, but he wore a robe during church during the sermon. The choir all wore robes. And there was just silence. And they never said anything. Right? So if you want to talk about culture, part of American religious culture is that you wear especially nice clothes on special occasions. And that there is still a sense that there are a certain type of religious clothes. And there's a diverse expression of different types of religious clothes. And those are all good things to do, especially on these blessed days. And you have to dress a certain way for work. That's perfectly fine as long as you're dressing in a way that is permissible in the sacred law. And we have to get to the point where is that we're not concerned about the way someone dresses... We're concerned more about their heart. It doesn't matter how someone dresses as long as it's permissible in the Sharia. And then there's degrees that of being better based upon how modest clothes are. After that, what really matters is someone's heart. And we are people that join between the outward and the inward, and we want that all come to come together as a whole. And so these reminders teach us that part of Fatua is that. Is that our real worth is the worth of the heart. And our Prophet at times wore nice clothes and at times he wore simple clothes. And when he wore nice clothes, he was teaching simultaneously the wealthy and the poor. And when he wore simple clothes, he was teaching simultaneously the wealthy and the poor. When he wore nice clothes, that it's fine to wear nice clothes as long as you have the right intention. But he's also teaching the poor that you don't envy people because of the things that they wear. And he's also, when he wore simple clothes, teaching the wealthy that your true worth is not in your clothes. And he's teaching the poor that it's perfectly fine to wear simple clothes. That does not teach you, that does not point to your true worth. Our Prophet has guidance for everyone. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq and open up the doors of every good for all of us and to bless us all with Islaha Sir. May He rectify our inner states of being, (coughs) Ya Rabbi al amin and bless our hearts to be solely for Him. Constantly in a state of remembrance, finding joy in our Prophet Muhammad wasallam, And may that outwardly leave for us entering into the door of every good, ya Rabbil Alameen, following in the footsteps of the great scholars and pious folk who came before us. sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa alayhi wa wa rabbil اللهم صل وسلم وبارك عليه وعلى اله صلى الله عليه وسلم